You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. The scripture reading for tonight comes from Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. There we go. Good evening. My name is Keith Case, and I'm a pastor here at Providencia, and so glad you're here with us tonight. If you're uh, visiting for the first time, we're especially glad you're here. Um, last week, we had a special guest uh, preacher, Lucky Arnold. Uh, Lucky is from uh, First Press North Palm. He was a preacher there for like 100 years, I think. And uh, it's more like 35 or 40, but he was there for a very, very long time. And we have these bizarre connections where um, Lucky and I worked at the same church together in Miami. Um, and then we ended up working together at First Pres North Palm. And what, one of the things that happened in Lucky's life and, and one of the reasons why he was here preaching last week is that uh, during his time as a pastor um, up in North Palm, uh, he was really dialed in as a New Testament scholar and, and known throughout the county as a uh, biblical scholar, as a preacher, as a man of integrity. I don't know how many boards he's on, but he's on a ton of boards. Um, just a man after scripture, a man after the Bible who taught the Bible. And, um, you know, for some of the older generation of mentors in my life, uh, pastors, they would say things to me is like, don't get political from the pulpit. Don't ever talk about like politics. And one of those things is that's code for don't talk about racism uh, when you're preaching. And so Lucky probably never spoke about that ever in, um, in his many years of preaching. And then afterwards... After retiring, getting invited by Dr. Bird into this uh, council at PBA that was trying to listen to minority students and their experience at PBA and what it was like for them and how do we make this place more of a home for them. And during that time, he read Howard Thurman uh, for the first time, Jesus and the Disinherited. And then uh, he read one of uh, Dr. Bird's books on Martin Luther King. And I think for the first time, Lucky read that Sunday morning was the most segregated hour in America. 
and not just then, but still today. Um, and it was what he told me over coffee is that it wounded him. And one of the reasons why I invited him last week to, to preach both at Memorial and uh, then at uh, Providencia is that um, not that uh, Memorial is the older crowd and Providencia is the younger crowd uh, because there are people like me here, uh, 45. And um, Bob, we, we help average, you know, push the age up a little bit here. Uh, but it's to see uh, this in the morning time, it was to see that there's an older man wrestling, a man, a biblical scholar, wrestling with racism at a deep level, so much so that he is now going to an African-American church. That, that it, has, it has shifted his life in such a drastic way that some of the older people in our morning congregation would listen to that and begin to wrestle with that. Um, and for Providencia, because we have uh, such a younger demographic, um, I hope that you would see that there is an older man who uh, is a biblical scholar, and, and some of you might have uh, parents as you've become more awakened to things that in, in culture and society, especially during COVID, that a lot of people, as they saw things happening on TV, uh, you know, became more aware, and they started trying to have conversations at home, and some of those conversations didn't go so well. Uh, I, I speak from my own experience in those, that they didn't go so well. Uh, and for me, it was super encouraging uh, to see a man uh, in his 70s begin to wrestle with a whole new aspect of his faith, essentially that he would say he was blind to for the majority of his life. I don't know if that came through last week in the sermon, uh, but I hope that it did at some uh, little, little sliver uh, that you caught that uh, because that's what I want to be like when I get to be his age. Uh, when my kids begin to bring me things to me and show me my blind spots, uh, to show me the things that I missed in my faith journey, that I would have an openness, a new, a new openness to wrestle with these things at a deep level. Uh, to me, that is a tremendous testimony to the man that Lucky is. Uh, and I'm grateful for him. Um, you know, tonight, as we uh, come to this scripture, uh, we're, we're talking about the mission of God's people. And the, the book we've been reading this summer as we've done this uh, theme, Summer of Rest, is a book by Rich Viotas. He's a, a pastor up in New York. And um, Rich has some like 52 nations in his congregations. He's in Queens, right? So it's like it doesn't get any more diverse than Queens, New York City. Uh, but he's there in Queens. And um, this chapter this week was uh, on missional presence, and I'm framing that as uh, missional hospitality. Missional hospitality. Uh, missional hospitality, those words to me in some ways seem contradictory, right? Because when you think of missions, especially in the church, you think of like going out, right? We send our missionaries out to the far ends of the earth and missions is like out. But even in like, you know, military terms, like people are going on a mission. Um, so mission is something that seems like it's outward, and yet hospitality seems like it's something that is here. It's more inward. It's like my home. It's my house, the places that I occupy, that I've been invested in, that I have roots in. You're coming into my space. I'm going to show you hospitality. So tonight we're talking about missional hospitality. Uh, this journey, it seems like that you would be taking you outward is actually bringing us inward. 
And the first character that we are introduced to here in this text is a man who is off mission. He's off mission because he is uh, an Israelite. He is a part of the nation of Israel. He is a part of the people of God, if you will. And his father would not be happy. Uh, his father Abraham, right? If we go back to Genesis chapter 12, we read this about this promise that God makes to Abraham and see if you can catch the mission and the hospitality that's going along with the mission here in Genesis chapter 12. Leave your country, this is God speaking to Abraham, uh, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. How so? How will all the people on earth be blessed through this new nation, through this new land? If you grab your Bible, they have these red Bibles here. Uh, NIV, you turn to Psalm 72. And Psalm 72 is like the climax in the Psalms of where and how Israel is going to be a blessing to the nations. And I'm just going to read two segments here of Psalm 72, the first uh, four verses. It says, Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. And then if you uh, go down to verse 12 and following, he says, For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. How is God going to bless the earth uh, through this people. That this new king who is coming is going to be a liberator. That this new king who is coming has an eye for the vulnerable, has an eye for the oppressed, that he's coming to make a land of justice where they will be set free, where things will be restored to the way they are supposed to be. And as we come to Matthew's life, She's totally fine. She can cry as much as she needs to. Uh, as we come to Matthew's life, we see that Matthew is off mission. Matthew is a tax collector. Uh, Matthew works for the enemy empire. Uh, Matthew is a part of a culture of tax collectors that are not just hated by the people of Israel. They're hated by other nations where Rome has occupied because Rome has occupied a lot of lands. And what Rome did is it would turn the people of that land against their own people. And they would set up these tax booths. You know, uh, for some of you who are from around here, when you drive around in Florida and you want to go a far place, you go out to these toll roads, right? You've been to the toll roads before? Well, those things used to have people in them. Back when I was like first driving and stuff, there was people in those things, I promise you. And uh, so if you can imagine... Every time you wanted to drive down Dixie or every time you wanted to drive down South Olive or every time you want to drive down Flagler, uh, some people just travel east to west like Blake uh, on Okeechobee or something else. Every time you went out on the road, 
that you passed a tax booth and they, they charge you. And, and not only that, if you're um, a cold wear air kid like I am, you, uh, that money isn't going back to your local municipality uh, or your roads. That money is going to the Russians, the big, bad Russians. Do you remember those guys? They've kind of come back up in the news lately. But, but they were like the number one enemy when I was a kid. Uh, my sixth grade uh, history teacher told us the Russians could drop a bomb on us at any minute. And I just saw the playground, like, like smoke, everything, you know, like we're dead, those Russians. I mean, so, so imagine, guys, that the money that you're being taxed every day as you're just trying to go to the stores, you're just trying to make your way to work, is going to feed this evil empire. Um, this is Matthew. Matthew has betrayed his people. Uh, Matthew has turned against them. And why? For his own gain, for his own profit. He has bought into the narrative of Pax Ramona over the peace of God, over the shalom of God, the shalom that God promised to Abraham that he would be a blessing, that he would bring this shalom to the earth. He's counting and he's saying, no, 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 the Romans are doing it better. The Romans have more power. I'm buying into that system. And Jesus comes to him. He finds him in the midst of that system and he says something to him. He says, follow me. Come with me, abide with me, be with me. And where is Jesus going to take him? Where is Jesus going to take him to realign his mission of hospitality, to get this guy back on mission to be a blessing to the nations again? Where is he going to take him uh, to move him from oppressor to somebody who would be a liberator, to move him from somebody who is uh, unjust to being somebody of justice? Where is he going to take him? And what is he going to teach him? We find that Jesus uh, takes him back to his home. I was in a community group um, for uh, a year, and uh, this, this man, he had come to our church, and he was a very wealthy man. Um, and when he showed up at our church, he had a three-piece suit on. And I've only pretty much been invested in church plants for a while now, so we don't have a lot of people show up in three-piece suits, but this guy did. And he invited me to his house. He wanted to have a cup of coffee, so I went to his house. And when I got to his house, he took me on a tour of his house for at least an hour. He showed me the wallpaper in his house. It was from Italy. It was leather. He told me how much it cost. He showed me the door handles on his doors and asked me to guess how much those cost. And I had no idea. Uh, but those two were some, from some European country, handmade, installed, all this stuff. We went on and on and on. And then we sat down in his library. And in his library, uh, there was a piano. And there was pictures of every president over the last 20 years with them in his house, in his office. And over the course of that conversation, especially as we got towards the end of it, he let me in on this little secret that he might be in trouble, that somebody might be coming for him, uh, that the government was kind of looking into his affairs, if you will. Um, the government did come for him. And uh, the day after they came for him, uh, it was a, a Friday, uh, so they kept him in all weekend. So it was the, the Monday after that. The community group, we went to his bond hearing. And this man who was always dressed in very fine clothes and very expensive clothes showed up in the courtroom. We saw him come out with, instead of a three-piece suit, an orange suit, uh, an oversized sweatshirt that we found out later he had bargained for from somebody. Uh, his hands were shackled. 
uh, at his wrist and at his feet, and uh, he had a five o'clock shadow. Later that night, we were in his house, our community group, and we were just there to listen and to care uh, for this man. And over the next coming weeks, as he began to share and open up more and more because this experience had broken him, and now he was around people that actually were caring for him. He said something I'll never forget. A man who had the most expensive art I've ever seen in a house before. He said, this is the most I've ever felt at home in this house. In this group right here, right now. And it was like for the first time, all the fine things that he had shown me and told me about in great detail and the cost and everything, he actually could see them for the first time. He could enjoy them for the first time. That something in him had begun to rest. That something in him had begun to kind of let go. And I'm not exactly sure if that's what happened to Matthew uh, when Jesus comes to his house. Uh, But Matthew is inviting other tax collectors. He's inviting his cronies, the other boys from that world, that culture. And we also learn that there's sinners there. And it says that Jesus has a meal. And the word in Greek, it means to recline. Now, if you think about going to somebody's house for the first time, you know, you've been invited over for dinner at their house and they had a recliner in their den, uh, you probably wouldn't the first time you go over there, uh, sit down in the recliner, pull the lever, right? Kick it back, just lay out in there. I mean, you got to get to like a certain point in the relationship where you can fall asleep in their house. Can I get an amen? Um, There's a certain point when you're with people that you feel so comfortable you can recline like that. Well, Jesus is reclining. He's reclining. He's making himself at home with these people. And we know that Jesus loves to teach people over meals. It's a great place to teach people. And it's not just um, these uh, tax collectors and these sinners that are there to learn. No. The disciples are there too. His followers, right? Um, You know that term that Jesus says to Matthew, follow me, that is a term of a rabbi to a student, follow me, to come and be with me. And they're there at the table and the scene is set. The tax collectors, the sinners, the disciples, Jesus, and walking by are the religious people. The Pharisees, the ones who are supposed to be the keeper of God's mission, if you will, uh, the keeper of God's temple, the keeper of God's uh, land, of God's people. They were the ones who really were supposed to be a blessing to the nation. They were supposed to be keeping everybody on track. And they looked in that room, they looked at that scene, and they said, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. And so instead of going straight to the source, instead of going straight to Jesus, hey, Jesus, can you come out here? we got to talk to you for a second. They go to the disciples. They go to one of his followers. And they say to them, why does he dine? Why does he recline with tax collectors and sinners? What, what, they're, what they're saying is, why is Jesus making himself at home with these people? Why is Jesus making himself at home with these people? 
Because Jesus is getting Matthew back on mission. Jesus has gone into his home to get him back on mission. Uh, Jesus has gone in to the home and sinners have been gathered for, to get them back on mission. And the disciples are there at the table to get them back on mission. And the Pharisees are walking by and looking in to get them back on mission. Because what we see on display is the heart of God at that meal. The heart of God on display. That the many ways in which uh, we push people to the outskirts of society, the outskirts of culture, uh, the weak, the vulnerable, the, the rejects, if you will. Jesus says, these are the people that I make a home for. These are the people that I dine with. These are the people that I commune with. These are the people that I fellowship with. These are the people that I break bread with. And Jesus catches, catches wind of their words. Why? Why is he eating with these people? And Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It is not the strong and the powerful, but it is the sick. It is those in need. What do they need? They need a hospital, that they need hospitality, that they need a home. The word for hospital, the root word is the same root word for hospitality. The stranger, alien, foreigner. And if you remember in Abraham's journey, you go back to Genesis 12, that God is inviting him on the journey of becoming a foreigner, of becoming a stranger. Leave your, your homeland. Why? Because Jesus wants Abraham to know what it's like to live on the outskirts, to know what it's like to be a reject in society, to know what it's like to not have a home and then to find a home. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this is something that he calls you to remember over and over and over again. He called his people of Israel to remember over and over and over again. Remember how you were in slavery. Remember how you didn't have a home and how I brought you out of slavery. And I gave you a new home. And Christian, this is the same thing he calls you to remember. Remember how you did not have a home. Remember how you were on the outskirts of society. But I bring you in to this home to this family, not because you're living the way you should be, but because I'm loving you where you are right here, right now. That I want to be with you. And Jesus goes so far to say to his people that are following him, don't you know that your body is the temple? Your body is the temple. And that I am going to make my home where? In you, that Jesus wants to come and make his home in us, that the, the Holy Spirit wants to come and dwell in us and make our home in us. And why is Matthew telling us this whole story about a tax collector and sinners and the disciples and these religious Pharisee people? 
that he's giving us an invitation for you to make a home in yourself. That God would be at home in you. Are you at home in you? Are you okay in you? I think one of the things that we can forget sometimes when we're reading the Gospels is because it's happening right in front of our face, we can forget, like, why is Matthew telling us this story? And one of the things I would propose to you is that Matthew is telling us this story because Matthew, in his journeying with Jesus, realizes that in himself, he literally was the tax collector. And he is a sinner. And he is the Pharisee outside of the party. And he's also the disciple. That we have those parts of us in us. I've been walking with Jesus for 14 years. And I love God. And I know that God loves me. And there's still times in my life on a daily basis where I believe that he doesn't. Where I believe that, man, I don't even know if there is a God. Does anybody really care about me? I can spiral into different places with different parts of who I am. And part of the invitation we have in the gospel is not to push those parts of us out to the outside. And say, get away from me. You know, stop that negativity right now. No, actually break bread with them. Have a meal with that part of us and say, hey, what's going on here? What are you scared of? I mean, sometimes at night I wake up, you know, and I get scared of money. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. Thinking about money and I have five kids and like they're on their phones too much. And like I start thinking about all these things and I just get scared. And Jesus' invitation to me is, Keith, don't push that fear away. I know that my, you know, the word says, do not be afraid, but don't push that. Go and examine what is that part of your heart about? What is it saying to you? Listen to it. Listen to that part of you that is scared. It's, it's, there's a little kid in me, guys, that he gets scared sometimes that he's not going to be able to provide. That I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. And that little part of me can scream really loud sometimes. But if I kick that kid to the curb, I don't get to learn the lesson that he wants to teach me. There's something that kid is inviting me to and teaching me that is so important. And because we believe in a gospel that says God loves us the way we are, not the way we should be, we don't have to push these parts away. We can actually invite them to the table. And I will tell you this. Jesus goes on to say that he doesn't desire sacrifice, which people would go to the temple to give sacrifices, in essence, to give something to God. He says what he desires is compassion. And, and compassion isn't something that God desires for himself. He wants us to give compassion to each other. Mercy, compassion to each other. The way that I have grown in my ability to give compassion to every single one of you here in this room is as I have met the parts of me that are in you and I have been able to offer that compassion to myself. Then I can offer it to the people I meet around me every day. That we can be a part of making a home here 
for people with compassion. That this is what Jesus desires for us. Um, I, I, got, I got on a Bill Withers um, kick this, this weekend. Blame my wife for it. Um, she sent me this playlist, old soul music that Run DMC, I think, created. Um, and it had some Bill Withers on there. The next thing you know, I'm watching a Bill Withers documentary. Still Bill. I can't commend it to all of you all to watch the movie Still Bill about Bill Withers. But his song, Lean On Me. Man, I used to sing that when I was a little kid at like, and I was a teenager, at like youth camps. Did you guys ever sing that like as a kid, like in youth experiences? Did you ever have that song? What a powerful worship song. It's such a powerful worship song. It, it is the epitome of what Jesus is saying. What I desire is not sacrifice. What I desire is mercy, compassion. That that would be the song of your heart for the people around you every day. I've tasted it here in this community and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. I pray that that song grows in our hearts, that compassion grows in our hearts. Not just for each other, not just for ourselves, but for our city. That Jesus would give up his home take on the weight of our sin, the weight of the world, the weight of the ways in which we have displaced people, that he himself would be displaced, that he would make a new home for us, a place we don't have to hide. We don't have to hide the parts of ourselves, that we can be known and fully loved. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.